Hello, all, and welcome to episode number 11. We've hit Julian Edelman's number 11. Wow, I can't believe it. We have a lot to talk about. The All-Star Game happened last night. The Home Run Derby. We got to talk about Jaron Durant getting called up for the Red Sox. We got lots to talk about, and it's going to be amazing. So first, let's talk about the All-Star Game that happened last night, and then we'll talk about the Home Run Derby. Great All-Star Game. Shohei Atani started. Max Scherzer for the NL, and man, do I love watching the All-Star game. Got a glimpse of a couple of good clips, you know, here and there with, you know, Xander Bogarts, you know, hitting the RBI single, you know, Zeno hitting a home run. It was just amazing to see, you know, some Red Sox players in there. And there were five Red Sox players in the All-Star game, and it was amazing to see it. You know, Matt Barnes pitched amazing. Avaldi pitched in the, the fifth or sixth inning, and he did amazing. No runs given up, only a couple of hits. Xander Bogarts had a hit. Rafi Devers had a nice double down the first baseline. J.D. Martinez didn't do really well, and I expected him not to do as well as, you know, as I expected. But it was a great all-star game to watch. It was phenomenal. You know, the AL all-star won. Final score was 5-2. to two, And now the AL has home field advantage for the rest of the playoffs, which is amazing. But let's start off with the home run derby, too. I mean, that was amazing. You know, Pete Alonso won it second time in a row. And Trey Mancini, man, did he put on a show for the Baltimore Orioles and his home and his team out, out in Colorado. You know, his story is kind of, you know, interesting to know because, you know, he just answered last season and he missed the whole season. And I was really rooting for Trey Mancini. I thought he could be a true underdog in this home run derby. And I thought he could actually, you know, pull this off. But once, you know, he had 22 home runs, and I saw that, you know, Pete Alonso was coming up. I knew that the game was over because Pete Alonso is a very great power hitter, and he can hit ball way out of the ballpark. So great for Pete Alonso. It was great to see it. Trevor Story, you know, Matt Olsen, Shohei Atani. I mean, man, everyone thought he was going to win the home run derby, you know, with his, what, 33 home runs leading the league. But he was out in the first round. He got beaten out. It was it, it was a good battle. It really was between Shohei Atani and all the other players. You know, Trevor's story, that's another story to see. Hot funny. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, having Trevor story in it, he had a couple home runs here and there. But I don't know why he was considered to be in the home run derby. You know, Aaron Judge wasn't in the home run derby. You know, he said he doesn't want to be involved in the home run derby unless it's in New York, which I don't understand. I think, you know, for – a player like him to be on the Yankees, he should be hitting home runs anywhere. In a home run derby, I would really love to see him, you know, crank that home run here and there. But it's really interesting to see, you know, how far, you know, the balls can go. And, man, Pete Alonso, he hit an absolute moonshots out of here. But, you know, Trey Mancini for the Baltimore Orioles, going back to him, you know, his story is kind of sad, you know, having him you know, battle out cancer all last season and then come to this season and having everyone cheer for him, which is great. I mean, even though his team is not a really great team, and I wish that Trey Mancini was on another team, say the Boston Red Sox, maybe Colorado Rockies, or maybe like a World Series winning team like the Dodgers, because this thing, Trey Mancini, he has a lot of great talent here and there. You know, he plays first base. Excuse me. He plays first base. He can play anywhere, outfield. But, you know, I wish that he was on a better team, and I feel really bad that, you know, Trey Mancini is on a 
really sucky team as the Baltimore Orioles. I really wish that he could play, you know, elsewhere. I think he deserves to be on a team with talent. And, yes, I really don't think that the Baltimore Orioles really have all that talent. Yeah, they have Michael Franco, Fred Galvis, great third baseman, great shortstop, Trey Mancini at first, but, you know, yeah, they still have Chris Davis. I think he's still injured or signing a contract, whatnot. But I just really don't think that, you know, he's going to strive here in Baltimore. He, he's been one of the best players on the Orioles, and I think that he really does deserve to be on a better team than the Orioles. But, you know, all in all, the home run derby, it was great to see. The celebrity all-star game, I love to watch. And, man, can DK Metcalf not play baseball. I mean, striking out in the first inning. I mean, I know it's all fun and games, but stick to football, buddy. Really, just stick to football and catching, you know, balls from Russell Wilson. But, you know, it, it's it's just, you know, it's going to be great to have baseball being back in the second half. You know, I think the Red Sox can strive well. And, you know, they just recently signed on Sunday Matt Barnes to a two-year extension. And um, I think the MLB trade deadline is going to be really interesting, too. I really think that, you know, the Chicago Cubs, they could be sellers by the deadline. I don't think Anthony Rizzo will be on the team. I don't think Chris Bryant will be on the team. Definitely Craig Kimbrell. He'll be off the team. Now, teams that need to pursue Anthony Rizzo is really interesting right now. You know, do the Boston Red Sox need a first baseman? I don't think so, but would it be awesome to see Anthony Rizzo in a Boston Red Sox uniform come to trade deadline? Yes, definitely. But here's the thing. It's his contract that eats up so much. But here's the thing. I think a trade scenario that the Red Sox should do in order to acquire him I know he's a fan favorite here, but I think you would have to send Michael Chavis and a couple other, you know, prospects on the farm down to the Chicago Cubs. But, you know, the Red Sox could be one team that, you know, is really interested in acquiring some of those Cubs like Anthony Rizzo and maybe could get an arm like, you know, Craig Kimbrell. Because here's the thing, Craig Kimbrell's ERA is a .75 ERA. And that's amazing. I mean, here's the thing. Yeah, I know we have Matt Barnes, and yes, he could be. He's a really good closer, and he's basically shocked the world for the Red Sox this year because I didn't know that we'd have a really good closer in Matt Barnes. But, hey, look at now. We have our set-of-five closer. But would it be bad to pick up a, you know, a good, decent arm and a setup man again, as in Craig Kimbrell, and bring your old friend and fro back? No, it wouldn't. I would definitely be down to having Craig Kimbrell down to be kind of like a setup man, kind of like an Otto Vino, kind of like, you know, Whitlock kind of kind of person, you know. It wouldn't be that bad to have another arm because for the Red Sox, we need some arms. And I heard that on Friday that the Red Sox are going to have some scouts seeing out Cole Hamels. And Cole Hamels is still a free agent. And he's not a bad of a pitcher when he was on the Rangers, when he was on the Phillies, but most likely the Phillies and the Cubs. He basically performed really well for the Philadelphia Phillies way back when, a couple of decades ago. He used to be one of their aces for the, you know, Philadelphia Phillies. And I think that, you know, the Red Sox can easily sign him. I think that the Red Sox will be looking at him, maybe the Yankees because Corey Kluber is down, maybe the Oakland A's, maybe even the New York Mets. They need another pitcher in the rotation. Maybe the Washington Nationals. I mean, a lot of people need a lot of different stuff in the trade deadline. Maybe the Yankees, I wouldn't be surprised with them because they need a lot of arms. But basically, the Boston Red Sox, I really think that the Boston Red Sox could really sign 
a great, decent pitcher like Cole Hamels. Because here's the thing. We're going to have Chris Sale come back maybe possibly by the end of July, possibly here and there. But, you know, we need another arm. And I was thinking maybe Max Scherzer wouldn't be a bad idea, but I can see Max Scherzer, you know, being traded away to the New York Yankees because I think the Yankees could use Scherzer in a more decent role than the Boston Red Sox. So I have a good feeling that come either next week or whenever the trade deadline is weeks from now, I think that Cole Hamels could sign a deal with the Boston Red Sox. And, man, that pitching rotation would look absolutely scary. Having Chris Dale, Cole Hamels, Erod, you know, Avaldi, and having Nick Pavetta right there. That would be a great starting five for the Boston Red Sox. And I think they can strive there. I think they can strive if they have that, you know, great starting five in the pitching rotation. But here's the thing. Bats are well. We don't need any new bats. Maybe get like a – a great cleanup man like, you know, Christian Arroyo or get someone else out there. But right now we are definitely fine with hitters. Xander Bogarts, he's he's one of the top shortstops out in the league. I think we're going to do fine with him. Devers, perfect. Great corner third baseman for us. Bobby D, Bobby Dolvac, I think he's going to be a great first baseman for the Boston Red Sox. I don't want, want to see him off the team. He's been stroking it well. He's been doing well. For our beloved Boston Red Sox, I think that the Red Sox, they won't even be looking at fielding. I think they'll be looking at relief pitchers, and they'll be looking at starting pitchers. And I think a big one could be Cole Hamels or maybe Matt Scherzer. But definitely aim for the Red Sox to be signing a deal with Cole Hamels because I think that, you know, Cole will look at the situation and be like, hey, Red Sox are surprisingly, yes, surprisingly in first place, and the Red Sox need one more starting pitcher to complete a run to the World Series. Now, here's the thing. Do you ask me, are the Red Sox a World Series contender team? Right now, I'm 50-50. I think that they can possibly make it with the team that they have right now because this pitching staff, surprisingly, is amazing right now. Their, their relief pitchers are great. Their hitters, phenomenal. You have to give, like, you know, a lot of appreciation to Alex Verdugo, Hunter Renfro. Man, you got to take that man out to dinner every night. How many people he throws out, and how many people he, you know, hit home runs, RBIs. I think he's going to be a key factor for the Red Sox future. I think he's going to do well. Christian Vasquez is playing amazing. Kike Hernandez, you know, signing a two-year deal with the Boston Red Sox is a huge opportunity for us. You know, when I saw that we signed Kike Hernandez, I was like, ah, you know, he can't play second base in the outfield, but man. He has almost, again, he has 11 home runs for the Boston Red Sox right now. And that's just amazing for, for Red Sox Nation. We are praising him. We are loving him. Leave him in the leadoff spot. I love the way Corey is, is you know, tooling around him, playing with him, you know, putting him in, out in center field, right field, second base. You know, it, it's it, he's a great acquisition for the Boston Red Sox. And I think that he's driving well. The man Christian Arroyo, too. We got him, this is his, I think, second year with us, and he's been striving. He's been hitting the ball well, coming up in clutch situations on Sunday against the Philadelphia Phillies. We almost came back and won that game, but sadly, we are on a two-game losing streak heading into the All-Star break, and we play a four-game set against the Bombers tomorrow night, starting at 7.05. And I think the Red Sox are in a big contention to basically sweep the New York Yankees. They could basically have a 10, 10 games to nothing lead 
on the New York Yankees, and I will be loving it. It will be great. I, I wouldn't expect the Red Sox to be 6-0 against our rival team right now. And gosh, do I love that the Yankees are really sucking this year. They are not doing well. Aaron Judge is struggling. I think John Carlos Stanton will be traded by the trade deadline. I think possibly Trevor Story could be, you know, here in the New York Yankees position because they, they're looking for a shortstop. But, man, would I not expect my Boston Red Sox to be in first place and just having a, I think, a half, a game and a half lead on the Tampa Bay Rays. And I can't ask for anything better than this right now. I would have expected the Red Sox to be at least third or maybe fourth. I really, you know, the Red Sox, this team has really surprised me, and I'm really loving that, you know, this team has been doing the way that they have coming back from comeback, which is great. You know, it's great to have comebacks, great to have leads, but this Boston Red Sox team has surprised everyone, even me, and I, I can't say nothing but good things. All I can say is that we need one more relief pitcher and possibly one more starter, and then we can head off into the playoffs and possibly the World Series because I think this team has a lot of potential. They're hungry, and they're ready for another World Series in 2021. And you can crown, hopefully, the Boston Red Sox, your 2021 World Series champions. I know I'm, I know I'm ahead of myself. I know we got two to three months left in the MLB season, but I just see that this team has a lot of potential and wants to win a World Series more than anything. And I think Alex Cora is a hidden gem that the Red Sox have been looking for. I really think that the Red Sox can strive well, and I really think that they can do well with this amazing management that Alex Cora has brought. Ron Renneke, he's a terrible manager. I'm glad that we, you know, didn't do well when he was there last year. I'm glad that we brought Alex Cora back, and I'm glad that the Red Sox are doing well in first place and looking to do better in the second half, and I hope we can strive well and continue to be in first place because I don't want to look at no wild card game. I really don't think that the Red Sox could be a wild card team. I think they could be a person winning the division, and I think that they could be, you know, happy and they could be, and this team is lovable. There's nothing to hate about them. Their bats are hot, pitching's hot. You know, their management is doing well with Alex Cora back in the helm. And I really think that this team has possibly the potential to win a World Series with Alex Cora, you know, behind the bench. And I really think that Alex Cora has been the missing piece that the Red Sox have been striving for and they've been wanting for the past couple of years. I really don't want to see Alex Cora off the team. I think he knows how to take his pitchers out. He knows how to, like, you know put a great lineup out. He knows how to put hitters up in there. I really think that the Red Sox can strive and do well. We're going to hit a quick break right now. But when we come back, we're going to talk about a wide receiver that is really interested in coming to New England. You are listening to The Clutch, and I'm Devin Telegani. Prevacus says their new concussion medication, Prevasol, 
helps repair nerves and promote cell growth. There, we can get the drug in the brain in less than five minutes. Uh, and our plan is when we get that diagnosis on the field of play, give the drug nasally, get it in the brain quickly. When it gets in the brain, it actually gets into the nucleus of your brain cells and it reduces swelling, inflammation, and oxidative stress at the same time. When Jake and I first talked about this many years ago, my, one of my first questions was, will this help me? And he goes, no, this is for treatment immediately when a concussion or you think a concussion has occurred. Yeah. Uh, the acute problems that, that exist later on in life, uh, if we can take care of these at an early age and start getting some of these uh, things to our, our, our children and, and grandchildren, you know, and we, I think we can make this, this game, our game, football, a safer place. And so the whole goal is we're trying to make life, we're trying to make the game safer. And so Odyssey and this drug, we believe can be a game changer. A game changer in so many different ways. Yes, on the football field, in the game of football, because that's where my passion lies, but also in the game of life. And welcome back to The Clutch. My name is Devin Delgani. Now, here's the thing. I know I've been stressing out about how well the Patriots have been doing this offseason. And the Patriots have been, you know, the players that they've gotten, wow. I give them an A- minus for their free agency sign-ins, the trades that they've gotten, and the pickups, too. Now, I think the Patriots can be back in the playoffs, and don't worry, they will be. I really think that the Patriots need just one more wide receiver. I know I've been stressing out that they could possibly get two wide receivers. One could possibly help us, you know, go deep in the playoffs, and two could be a great pickup, and I think could go really far in the postseason for the New England Patriots. Now, this name is Golden Tate. He was a former wide receiver for the New York Giants and Seattle Seahawks. And I think this guy has a lot of potential in signing a maybe a one-year rental with your New England Patriots, and here's the reason why. I think he can catch the ball well. I think he could either work well with Cam Newton and or Mac Jones, whatever this quarterback situation is. And I really think he can, you know, do well in the Patriots uniform. We're really looking for a number one wide receiver. And here's the thing. Is Golden Tate a number one wide receiver, you ask me? No, he's not. But he's a great, suitable guy to suit that position. Because here's the thing. Julian Edwin's gone. Nikhil Harry, he'll be traded somewhere. Maybe the Jets, Washington. We'll talk about that later, but I really think that the Patriots can sign this guy right here. You know, yeah, Danny Amendola is out there. Larry Fitzgerald is another guy we can also talk about, but I've been hearing that Larry Fitzgerald might sign a, maybe a one-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals, even though how stacked they are at wide receiver with Green, Hopkins, Kirk. But I really think that with the, with the signing of, you know, Golden Tate, I think this makes the Patriots seem even scarier than it was before. I mean, yes, we have the dual tight ends, with Henry and Jonu Smith, man, if we sign Golden Tate, and I've been a fan favor of this man ever since he's been playing for the Seattle Seahawks, he's been clutch for Matt Hasselbeck or Russell Wilson, Daniel Jones, not really, but I think Newton can work well with this guy right here, Golden Tate. I would really love to see him sign him. And here's the thing. If he works out, great. If he doesn't, release him. I really wouldn't be surprised if we signed him for a one-year deal. And if he does well, good. Good for them. They signed a good wide receiver that used to play good with on Seattle than he did with the New York Giants. But 
if he doesn't do well his first year with the New England Patriots, then I can see the Patriots possibly releasing him in the offseason. Because here's the thing. He's a iffy kind of guy. But I think he can suit the Patriots system really well. I think he could do great for the New England Patriots. Now, another thing I want to talk about is that will possibly Cam Newton be released by the New England Patriots? And I thought to myself about this. I said, you know, there's no way in heck that Bill Belichick could release a really great quarterback in Cam Newton. I really don't see that happening. But it wouldn't shock me to see that, you know, yes, he signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal. But think about this in the past before. We've released veteran players slash wide receivers, linebackers, and quarter cornerbacks. Say, like, we released Demarius Thomas, you know, traded him to the Jets. We've released Reginald Wayne, one of the great wide receivers for the Indianapolis Colts, which I thought he could strive well here. We've released, uh, not Algie Comfort, what's his name, Albert Hainsworth before. We've released pretty, you know, famous people. Eric Decker is another name, uh, you know, and, and there's more lists to go on, but. I really wouldn't be surprised by the start of August or maybe the first game of the season, not the first game, before the first game of the season, I could possibly see the Patriots releasing Cam Newton. Now, will it happen? No, I don't think so because I don't see Bill Belichick doing that because Bill is a very smart guy, but there's a big but. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens because here's the thing. Many people have their eyes on Mac Jones. Everyone's saying Mac Jones is doing well in practice. His teammates are loving him. He's doing well. He knows how to actually throw the football unlike Mr. Ken Newton. But I can definitely see the New England Pages starting out with Cam Newton. Here's the thing. If he absolutely craps bed the first couple of weeks, I can definitely see us releasing him. And now we know that Cam Newton is not the future that the New England Patriots are looking for. And that's totally fine. I'm fine by it. Release him. Trade him. Do whatever you want. I was even surprised that the Patriots even wanted Cam Newton come last season. And I thought that. I was like, oh, maybe the Patriots could have potential with this quarterback. But here's the thing. I have a lot of great things to say about Cam Newton this season. I think that he does well. He, you know, shuts down the haters. You know, because everyone's saying, oh, Cam Newton's not going to do well his second year, you know, it's because of the COVID crap. But no, I really think that Cam Newton will do well for our New England Patriots or my New England Patriots. I really think that Cam, he's going to throw the ball better. And I've been hearing on Twitter that he's been throwing the ball excellent. And nobody's been complaining about it. I mean, nobody complained about him last year. But I really think it's like an ex-girlfriend sometimes. Do you give an ex-girlfriend a second chance? Sometimes, but not really. Cam Newton is like the ex-girlfriend that you really kind of want back to New England. Because here's the thing. His rookie season when he was on the Carolina Panthers played phenomenal. In the Super Bowl run, he played amazing. That's the kind of Cam Newton that I want to see for the New England Patriots come this season. I want to see that arm, that legs. I want to see Super Bowl, not Super Bowl winning, but Super Bowl Cam back to when he was on the Carolina Panthers. Because he had some good weapons out there in Carolina. Don't get me wrong. He had more. He had he had Steve Smith. He had a lot of great wide receivers. And, man, does Cam Newton have some toys to play with this season? Hunter Henry, Bourne, Aguilar, 
you know, John U. He has a lot of toys to play with, and he has Myers. He's not going to have Nikhil Harry. Thank God. Good riddance. See you later. I'm so happy the Patriots are possibly going to trade him because God was he not working out for the New England Patriots. He looked absolutely terrible for us. Fumbles a lot, dropped the ball a lot, wasn't like a good wide receiver. He was a certified bum for the New England Patriots. And I'm so glad he's going to be off the team, not wearing number 15, no more. So the Patriots are going to move on from him. And hopefully, I can see us striving well in the playoffs. I really hope that the New England Patriots can make because I think they have the defense and they definitely have the offense and the coaching to actually make a playoff run. Now, here's the thing. I know it's early in the season. We have about a month, close to a month and two weeks left for the start of the season. And I really think that this team has a lot of potential, possibly to be second place in the AFC East, because I think it's going to go Buffalo Bills. They're going to be the new team to win the East every year, possibly. I think I'm turning into a Buffalo fan, Bills Mafia. Now, it's going to definitely be the Bills, Patriots number two, Dolphins number three, and the New York Jets number four. Because, God, the Jets are awful, and they freaking suck. Yeah, here's the thing, getting Zach Wilson, we don't know how well he's going to do in the league, but I really think that they're not going to do well. They lost Joe Flacco. I don't know why I stress out much about this, but why in the heck would a great wide receiver like Corey Davis from the Tennessee Titans sign a deal with the New York Jets? The New York Jets! Why? Why would you want to even go to New York? Why? Why would you want to sign a contract? Three-year deal? Good luck not making the playoffs. I bet you Corey Davis is not going to like it in a New York Jets uniform. He's not going to like it. I'd rather see him on another team. Go to the Washington football team. Go elsewhere. Do not go to New York. New York is not a winnable team. Not for football. Maybe for basketball. Baseball is a different story. Hockey, I don't know. But no, do not go to New York. Terrible place to sign. Do not go there. You know, many people say, oh, but Boston's not a great place. No, do not go to New York. It's not a great place. The Giants, yes, surprisingly, they've won two Super Bowls. Two lucky Super Bowls. The David Tyree catch and the Mario Manningham, unbelievable catch. But do not go to New York. Whatever NFL free agents is out there next season, do not sign a contract with the New York Jets. Don't. And I'm not saying that because they're a rival of our Patriots. But no, do not sign any contracts. It's a terrible idea. Don't go there. Not for the Jets. Giants possibly. But we'll see how well Daniel Jones can strive this year. Because I have a lot of good things to say about Daniel Jones. Yes, it's technically his third kind of year. It's his second full season in the New York Giants uniform. And I think that possibly, possibly he can do well. I know a lot of people are giving him a saying, oh, no, he's the worst quarterback in the league. He's not even going to be good. But, hey, this year he's got weapons just like the New England Patriots. The New York Giants are they're, – they're not like the New England Patriots, but they got a lot of weapons in Kenny Galladay. They got Slayton. They got Kyle Rudolph. Hopefully Ingram can be a lot better than he was in the past year. But I really have a lot of nice things to say about the Giants, even though they beat us twice in the Super Bowl. 
The New York Giants are a better team to play for than the New York Jets, and that's a statement, and that's a fact. And here's my hot take. I'm going to tell you guys my hot take for the NFL season. I know we can talk about it later on in my couple other podcasts, but here's the thing, and don't hate me for this. I really think that the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not make the Super Bowl this year. I think that could be a possibility. It's a hot take. It's not a clear, simple fact. I really think it could happen. Because here's the thing. This year in the NBA Finals, we didn't see no Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, you know, what's-his-face, uh, Leonard, or, or anyone else in the championship. And it's nice to see, you know, no, new people. It's nice to see the Bucks and the Suns. Two teams that never made the finals before. And that's what I'm hoping for come next year in the Super Bowl. Maybe it's two different teams that no one would have ever guessed. I would love to say that. I hope it really happens that there's new NFL teams. I mean, if the Patriots make it, would it be a new NFL team? No, it wouldn't because the Patriots are known to making the Super Bowl. But it would be great to know that the Patriots can make the Super Bowl without having number 12, Tom Brady, on the team. And I think – you know, come a couple of years or maybe this season, that could be a possibility. I can definitely see the New England Patriots, not this, maybe possibly, but not this year, making another Super Bowl run. Come maybe next season. Because I really think that Cam Newton or Mac Jones, whoever is a starting quarterback that Bill decides to do this year, they could definitely make a good run. No matter what team, I mean, no matter what quarterback you put as long as you don't put Hoyer or Siddham in, because I can picture that, you know, Bill could possibly release Jared Siddham come, you know, during training camp or before training camp. I can see, because we have four quarterbacks on the roster, and I can definitely see one of those four being gone. Because here's the thing, possibly Cam Newton starting, Mac Jones definitely keeping, Siddham gone, this boy going Hoyer. Those are the four. So out of those four, I can definitely see Siddham being on and out. And that's really sad to say as a Patriots fan. But, you know, we signed him not even three years ago or two years ago. And I, I really thought I had a lot of hype for him. I thought he could be definitely like the Tom Brady that everyone's been wanting and everyone's been knowing. But he really hasn't been the quarterback that we've been wanting. Yes, he had one start, second half against the Kansas City Chiefs, and he got one touchdown to Nikhil Harry. But other than that, he's not been the quarterback that everyone's been wanting. Don't be surprised if the San Francisco 49ers release uh, our good old friend Jimmy Garoppolo, and we could possibly release Cam Newton too, and we swap, swap quarterbacks. It could be a possibility. But we will hit the break right now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the NBA Finals. And the Red Sox made a very interesting call-up today who will be having his major league debut. And I'm really pumped up to talk about this guy. And we'll talk about him when we come back. This is The Clutch. I'm Devin Telegani.
pharmaceutical company Prevacus says their new concussion medication Prevasol helps repair nerves and promote cell growth. There, we can get the drug in the brain in less than five minutes. Uh, and our plan is when we get that diagnosis on the field of play, give the drug nasally, get it in the brain quickly. When it gets in the brain, it actually gets into the nucleus of your brain cells and it reduces swelling, inflammation, and oxidative stress at the same time. When Jake and I first talked about this many years ago, my, one of my first questions was, will this help me? And he goes, no, this is for treatment immediately when a concussion or you think a concussion has occurred. Yeah. Uh, the acute problems that, that exist later on in life, uh, if we can take care of these at an early age and start getting some of these uh, things to our, our, our children and, and grandchildren, you know, and we, I think we can make this, this game, our game, football, a safer place. And so the whole goal is we're trying to make life, we're trying to make the game safer. And so Odyssey and this drug, we believe can be a game changer. A game changer in so many different ways. Yes, on the football field, in the game of football, because that's where my passion lies, but also in the game of life. Hello and welcome back to our final segment of The Clutch. My name is Seven Telgani. Now, here's the thing. I talked about last week about the NBA Finals and what the Finals could be, like, you know, the series, how, how it could go. And we are where I predicted the, the series to happen. The Suns win the first two games at home, which was correct. And then the Milwaukee Bucks winning on Sunday night, 120 to 100. And wow. Which team wants this more? I'm going to answer that in a couple of minutes. But this NBA Finals, I, you know, I've been saying Suns and five, Suns and six, Suns and seven. But here's the thing: if the Milwaukee Bucks make a good series tonight, I think it could be Suns and seven. Because here's the thing: both teams never made the finals before, and that's just great, amazing. But here's the thing: who wants to win the finals more? That, that I, I don't know yet. I mean. Both teams really want to win this. I mean, they really do. You know, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, they've been, you know, performing well as a great duo in the NBA. You know, Jay Crowder, you know, DeAndre Ayton, Payne, too. It's just like, who wants to really win this championship more? That question, you know, it seems like the Suns want it more, but then it's like Giannis and Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, they really do want it more, but... This is an exciting NBA Finals. And if it goes seven, you know, it, it could be one of the best game sevens, you know, NBA Finals that I've ever watched or I've ever seen. Because here's the thing. Both teams are great. But here's the thing. Who's the better team? If you ask me to weigh it out, I know the Suns are the number two seed and the Bucks are either the three or four seed. But the Suns, they should be the better seed. But if you're looking at it level-wise, I think you have to go Milwaukee on this one because, you know, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Pat Covington. Man, can Pat Covington shoot because, wow, he's a great shooter for the Milwaukee Bucks. Brooke Lopez is the biggest guy out there, minus Giannis. But, you know, this NBA Finals is one to watch for. I mean, who really wants it more? I think the Suns. The Suns are going to want this NBA Finals more. I really do think that, you know, Chris Paul is really determined to win it. And here's the thing. If the Phoenix Suns win in game four tonight in Milwaukee, which will happen about 23 minutes from now, starts up at 9 o'clock. You can watch it again on ABC. 
I think the Phoenix Suns will win this one in five. Suns in five. I think that the Phoenix Suns have the potential. They have the momentum. And they really kind of want this more. I could definitely see Chris Paul balling it out tonight. Probably scoring 37 deep book. He needs to average at least 20 points per game. Because if he played just like he did, you know, on Sunday night, wow, was that a terrible performance by the, you know, Phoenix Suns and by Devin Booker. Because here's the thing. I've been talking about it this whole time that Devin Booker has been showing a momentum of Kobe Bryant a little bit in his veins. And he has been. Devin Booker has never made the finals. He's never made it to the playoffs until this year. Now, if you ask me the question, you know, will the Suns made it if it wasn't for the injuries? I don't think so. Because here's the thing. With LeBron being hurt, AD being hurt, you know, Kawhi, you know, Murray being hurt, I think it would have been a different scenario for the Suns. I don't think the Suns would have swept the Nuggets in four. I think that game would have gone, series would have gone maybe six, possibly seven. But I really think that, you know, this team has a lot of potential to win. And I think possibly by my next podcast, we could be having the Phoenix Suns win the whole thing, possibly. Because I think the next game after tonight will be Saturday, and then next game will be Sunday, and then the last game will be Friday if they want to go game seven. But I think they win this in five, possibly six, but it would be nice to win it at their home court and just to take their first championship in many, many decades. I mean, wow. You can write a really good storybook about this wonderful team in the Phoenix Suns from being the worst team in the NBA to being the best team right now and shocking the whole world. That will be the title of the book. Suns shocking the whole nation. Beat them Bucks. I really hope it happens because this team really wants it more than the Milwaukee Bucks. But I think Giannis and Chris Middleton pulls it out tonight and they win and they tie the series. Because I would love to see a tied series going into game five. Because usually what they say in the NBA finals or any NBA MLB, uh, you know, hockey playoffs. I don't know about hockey because I don't really watch that much. But usually they say whoever wins game five, 96 or 86% of the time, they go on to win the series. And here's the thing. The Milwaukee Bucks have been down 2-0 before. It's happened to them against the Brooklyn Nets. It's happened to them, and they've won, which was a seven-game series. And I really wanted the Brooklyn Nets to lose that one because, A, I hate Kyrie Irving, and B, you know, injury-prone Nets with Kyrie Irving weren't going to do it for the Brooklyn Nets, and I really thought that Giannis and Chris Milton were the better team to win that series. And, hey, look at what happened. They advanced, and they won. They beat the Atlanta Hawks in six or five games, which is amazing. I know what happened at six games. And, uh, you know, this NBA playoffs has been really interesting. You know, you asked me the question saying, like, you know, would it be a lot interesting if, you know, people weren't injured? I think so, because say if Anthony Davis wasn't really injured against the Phoenix Suns, I think that series could have gone seven games and the Phoenix Suns were lost. And, you know, you're looking at now Lakers versus Brooklyn Nets NBA Finals, which would be kind of awesome to see. But that didn't happen. Great. Amazing. You know, I'm really proud that, you know, these are the first two teams that, you know, you've never heard of make the NBA Finals. Because usually you hear all oh, Lakers, Brooklyn Nets. You know, oh, it's going to be Lakers, probably Celtics, but not this year. Oh, it's going to be, you know, Golden State Warriors versus, uh, I don't know, Brooklyn Nets. 
or you know whatnot. You know, it would have been Nets versus Philly. I mean, you know, Lakers versus the 76ers. 76ers were the worst number one seed in. Speaking about the 76ers, good on that. The 76ers are going to trade Ben Simmons, which I love and I want to see. But they want an all-star back for Ben Simmons. And if you ask me the question, Devin, would you like to see Ben Simmons in a Celtics uniform? No. I do not want to see Ben Simmons in green because here's the thing. I don't think he would suit well. You know, we, we already have a top number one, you know, draft pick in Jason Tatum. He's the certified G on the team that we want to keep in that we really love a lot. And he's basically the face of the franchise. And that would mean that you would have to give up basically Peyton, Peyton excuse me, and Jalen Brown to give up for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is a decent player. He's not like, oh, wow, he's a Damian Lillard kind of player. Like, Lillard and Bradley Beal are the only two people I would trade for. And um, say if the Celtics do get Dame Dalla, you would have to get, you know, C.J. McCollum in order to trade that. You would need to trade away Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, which I'm fine for because Lillard is a certified point guard and C.J. McCollum would be a really great guy to come off the bench or starter for us because you'd be looking at Dame Dalla, Jason Tatum, McCollum, you know, Al Horford, and maybe Tristan Thompson. That would be a great starting line. Or you have McCollum coming off the bench. But I can really see the Celtics possibly trading up, trading up, trading for one of those two players, as in Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal. You know, I would really love to see Beal. He averages about 30 points per game, and he's a certified G that the Celtics really need to get in order to be competent in the playoffs next season and win a couple championships. I think that possibly Lillard or Beal could be the answers. Now, could you trade for both? Yes, I think you would have to trade Jalen Brown in order to get Bradley Beal. And then you would have to trade Pritchard and Smart, send Tristan Thompson over to get Bradley Beal. So it's like a win-win. And you can send over C.J. McCollum, too, because he's a great guy. He's a great shooter. I think that the Celtics could use. We need him to come off the bench. And I think that, you know, the Celtics, they're going to be nicking deep in the playoffs I mean, this offseason. They really are. I think they could go far, sign some free agents, sign Kyle Lowry if they don't, you know, trade up for trade for Damian Lillard, sign Danny Green, who's a certified three-point shooter, okay rebounder. He's good on defense, but I could definitely see Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart not being on the Boston Celtics come next season. Because here's the thing. I love Jalen Brown. I love Marcus Smart. I love them dearly. I love them both. But I really don't think that they're going to be on the team. Because here's the thing. If we acquire Bradley Beal this offseason, or if we acquire Damian Lillard, Jalen Brown's going to have to be a big piece that you're going to have to send. But possibly I think Brad Stevens can tweak some things here and there. Maybe you send Tristan Thompson, Marcus Smart. They get Damian Lillard. And if you keep Jalen Brown, great. If you don't, Jalen Brown has been a great asset for the Boston Celtics right now. I think that, you know, he's going to be really missed a lot. And I think that, you know, he, he was a great three-point shooter, great rebounder. Oh, my God. And his dunks, amazing. His passing was great. He was he was one of the best Celtics on this team for the past four or five years. When we had Kyrie Irving at Horford. I mean, I'm just really excited for the Boston Celtics. I really hope they strive well in this offseason. I really hope Brad Stevens can be a better GM than Danny Ainge was. 
because I can really see, you know, Brad Stevens striving as one of the best GMs that the Celtics ever had. Because his thing, he was aggressive. When he uh, acquired Al Horford and Moses Brown to trade away Kemba Walker, he wasn't afraid to say, hey, Kemba, you are off the team, and we're going to trade you to the Oklahoma City Thunder. But, you know, it was really interesting to see him go away, and I'm glad that Kemba Walker is not on the team. And a quick thing right here, the Red Sox, it is true. They have called up Jaron Durant to face off against the Yankees four-game series. And I am really excited to see this prospect come up to play. He's been stroking it well for the Sox. He's been hitting 24 home runs, 50 RPIs or more or less. And I really think that he'd be a great piece for the Boston Red Sox. He'll probably be in the starting lineup tomorrow night against the Yankees. And I think he's going to be the greatest call-up for us. I think he's going to hit a lot of home runs. He's going to be a great centerpiece for the World Series or for the playoffs. Hopefully his arm as well, just like, you know, Kike Hernandez and Hunter Renflo. And I really hope that, you know, this is a great call-up for the Boston Red Sox. Because I think call-up's good. You know, Long's been doing great. And now the moment of truth comes out that Jaron Durant is playing in his first game. And it's against one of our rivals. How great is that to be called up against your one of your best rivals in the league? I think the Red Sox could possibly sleep him, or at least take three out of four. Because the Yankees, with the Garrett Cole problem, and maybe Aaron Boone problems, I really don't think they're going to win the series. I think the Red Sox are going to strive up. They're going to win. It's going to be a nice, clean sweep. We're all going to be happy about this. And the Red Sox are just going to keep on continuing doing their things. And, you know, this is a great way to end off my 11th podcast. I want to say thank you all for listening in. This has been a wonderful time. I love doing what I do for you guys. And I will talk to you guys next Wednesday. And hopefully we will have a winner of the NBA Finals. Or maybe someone will have to have a 3-2 lead come next time on The Clutch. Thank you for listening and tuning in. I'm Devin Telgani. We'll see you next time. And this is The Clutch.